Couldn't be more excited to be with you for another episode of Talk About That. Yes, sir. Uh, it's John and Johnny, and uh, we're here every week. We are uh, like the vitamins that you take. We're here to keep You take a weekly you... vitamin? That's not, that's a, not a correct... <laughs> like B12, we're a shot of B12. Yeah. Do you ever get a shot of B12? I don't. Ever. So I, the last time I was sick, we talked about this, but I got the steroid shot. Uh-huh. But Maybe I have had one of those when I was sick before. Yeah, so well, sometimes people didn't. It gives you this big boost of like, hey, and you're, you're up and at them. Yeah. Which didn't uh, used to think it was up and at them, like A-D-A-M, uh, like up and at them. I think we've talked about that before. And then women would be up and Eve. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sent you a text one time. I was like, hey, I'm up and at them. It was years ago. I'm glad we're still shaming me for it. But it, it, John, don't you write words for a living? I do, but it doesn't mean that common colloquialisms aren't didn't you sometimes... Say, didn't you also say that it was a doggy dog world? <laughs> You know what? If you Google that, because I've Googled it out of shame, lots of people think that because they just don't hear it. Because lots of people are morons, John. Well, and I'm glad to be one of their stead. It's a doggy dog world. Well, I didn't know that that's... true. I need you to drop that like a pot. This is a little bit like Trump uh, when he was saying, we're going to win bigly. Bigly. You know, and everyone, I was like... Then he tried to retreat and say he was saying big league. league. You know, who knows what he was saying, but at least he had an explanation. He was saying big league. So I was saying doggy dog, and I thought it was dog... I didn't know it was dog eat dog. I've never, I never seen it written before, Johnny. Why are people not writing it more? That's the question. It's amazing. So, yeah. All that said, I was getting my steroid shot that I get once a year when uh-huh. I get bronchitis or whatever. The so some of whatever crud I had. Yeah. Trying to just immediately because I had shows that weekend. I was like, just do what you do. So normally they just go. You pull down like part of your pants and they put it right in your butt cheek. Right. This guy goes, lay on your side on the table. You know, we told the story when you weren't here. Oh, they put it in my hip. Yeah. When you were sick, Laura and I had to... Dude, he... That was paralyzing. Yeah. It was... I limped out of there like a just... Are you sure he was a real doctor? I've never heard of such a thing. In my he eyes, said, my now, wife. it's going to hurt a lot. And they was like, I'll go, yeah, I think I've had a shot before. <laughs> you don't Excuse need me, to... Sir. We'll get you a lolly. <laughs> but it did hurt a lot, and he was not overselling it. Um, he undersold the hurt. I think maybe... Again, I don't think this was right. Did it make you better faster than a normal shot? I don't think so. Well, I was monitoring your health I was during focusing, that period. I was focusing on the limb. On the pain. So that <laughs> helped, I guess. I mean, that was part of his technique. You're, when you started with B12, ever since you said it, like I can't help but think of those cheesy church marquees. Just like, what's the best vitamin for a disciple? <laughs> B1. <laughs> <Isn't that right? laughs> Forbidden fruits produce many jams. Mm. <laughs> Give the devil an inch, he'll be your ruler. Hmm? <laughs> I forgot about that one. Or what about the one that says uh, sign broken, message inside? I saw one the other day at one of the churches in town that said message on other side. And you went to the other side and it said message on another side. Uh, so it had no like, it had no like. It's quip- like you just feel tricked. Right. There was no quippy, hey, get in here and get Jesus. You know, it was no like, it was nothing like that. It was literally just somebody pranking you. You'll never get to the message. On the, yeah. It's like, uh, what's the. Every you ever seen Mexican restaurant? It'll say free beer manana. Ah, uh, because it's always it's always manana's never manana's here. always yeah yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll love you mm. with a beer tomorrow. Wow, you're only a. And isn't that just like life, listener? <laughs> isn't it? There's always a free beer tomorrow. You know. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Use coupon code. Talk about that for a free uh, beer. No. Speaking of speaking of coupon. By the way, you do say coupon, right? Coupon. Because there is my grandmother. Nobody says coupon, do they? I want to say my grandmother said coupon. Coupon. Meemaw. And then some people. Put well, Meemaw would lend itself to coupon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If your name's Meemaw, coupon. Coupon. And then there are there is a segment of the population that puts a ye. They say coupon. Coupon. When I believe that I'm a coupon guy, I don't say coupon. Those same people probably say nuclear. Nu- nu- yeah. Nuclear war. Laura had a teacher in high school, a, l- a history teacher, yeah. who called it neutrical. No. Neutrical, Johnny. Those aren't even the same letters. Yeah, that's like, I don't know off. if you know how phonetic things I work. I don't think neutrical is even a word, is it? I don't it? think it is. But it sounds like a company or something. like. Yeah. New- here at, or like Nutrical. Like yeah. they, make, they make products that have no calories. That's so gotta, neutral. That's got to be a thing. Nutrical. If we Googled Nutrical right now. There's n- <laughs> there's no nutrition in this at all. <laughs> Did you see that company that's making uh, products like that, meal supplements, and it's called Soylent? It's become <laughs> really popular now. And what's funny is there was a movie in the 70s with Charlton Heston where this – 
Soylent Green. It's a, it's a whole, it's a called Soylent Green, and it's about this supplement that's come out, and it's replacing food, and, and they've solved world hunger. And Charlton Heston's like this. I don't remember what his character is, but he finds out somehow that it's people. Mm-hmm. They're grinding up people. Yeah. And feeding them back to other people, and that's what Soylent Green is. And he, there's a big scene. He says, "It's people." He's right. It's people. Right. He shouts a lot. That's his big thing. Yeah. You dirty ape! I'm looking away from the mic because I don't want my shout to be oh, in there. You. But anyway, he. Uh, so now there's a company called Soylent, literally making meal replacements. <laughs> and the funniest part is they have no idea, evidently, and they've not. They refuse to change their name. It's very well done. The packaging and the uh, marketing. And and you look on Facebook. If you ever see this ad, look at the comments because they're amazing. Because everyone was like, "It's people, it's people, it's people." Shout all caps. And then one person's like, "What does it taste like?" And then right underneath it, somebody wrote, "It varies from person to person." <laughs> I was like, "This is the best." Oh my god! It's almost like they did it as a joke, but it's not a joke because I know people that drink them. Yeah, it's a real deal. Soylent. I suppose that if you have a good product, you can overcome bad marketing. Is that the is that the moral? Of the I story? don't have good enough comedy to overcome bad marketing. You yeah. need good marketing and good, and good product. Comedy. Yeah, yeah. But they've made good comedy without meaning to, mm. <laughs> which is the best comedy, really. Do you do you ascribe to the common belief that all um, exposure or all advertising or all press is good press? It never feels like it. Yeah. I, I think people. I think people who say that must have never had, like, a scandal. Well, they're getting press all the time if they say that, yeah. Maybe, or, yeah, you just go, well, I just... Or you have different goals. Like, I think sometimes a politician's goal is to just be in the public consciousness at all. Mm-hmm. Because you're just trying to be like... Like, there's that guy uh, that's running for president, Pete Buttigieg. Mm-hmm. And yes. he's got a name that's impossible to pronounce. Yeah. Everyone gets it wrong. It looks like Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. He always has to say Buttigieg. It's Edge Edge. And so for him, I think his deal is like, I just want people saying my name at all. So if it's for whatever. So like when you're a politician, I think it's like whatever. Right. But yeah, if you're, if I'm an entertainer, yeah, maybe it is different. I know comics who would be like, I'll do whatever. I used to hear this when I was starting out because you're looking for an agent. And you're looking for a booker. And people always go, when, when will I know when I need an agent? Well, the truth is, and that's what I tell comics is. The best time to get an agent is when you don't need one because right. you'll get the right one. Because they'll come alongside you. You already have work, and they just want to help you get to a little bit better. Yeah. And you're kind of using each other. I'm using you to get a little bit of work that I wouldn't get or a better fee. And you're using me because I'm already working without you. Yeah. And you just want 10% or sometimes 20%, which is you. Mm. Anyway, but I always heard the difference between bookers and agents and, you know, in California, New York, you can't, you can't be, be both. both. Yep. And one of the reasons is, like, you could have, like, I heard, you always hear these horror stories about comics that do these things. One guy, a friend of mine that I worked with, he got asked to put, like, a chicken suit on and do comedy at, like, the seventh inning stretch of a local baseball game. They're like, oh, it'd be great. Well, your booker's like, hey, this pays 800 bucks. Go do it. Because he wants 80 bucks. Right. Whereas your your manager... Might it's, be, it's like don't don't take do your this because this you're going to be the chicken guy yeah. forever. Yeah, it, you know you could go on to be famous and you're known locally as oh that's that guy. And that, that really speaks chicken. to me because I am known as the chicken. You're guy known as the forever, chicken guy, right? Yeah, and that's just because you ate that whole bucket of chicken. I did. You frightened the children that one time. <laughs> hey, oh no, it's the chicken guy. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. Sorry, go ahead. But no, so that's the that's what I think about sometimes when you think about no press is bad press. Yeah, sometimes you can make decisions. And you go, I mean, I'm doing thing now. I, I won't talk about it explicitly because it's not done yet, but I got asked to do a commercial. I was doing some shows, and this guy was like, we want you to do commercials for our company. It's like, cool. Well, now we're going over everything. And so he's actually more careful than I am. He, I talked to him yesterday, and he was just like, we just want to make sure that you're not saying anything that would go against what you want to do as a comic. And mm. I was just like, I don't think you understand how not famous I am. I'll do whatever, you know. How, do, I get, do I get all the way in the... <laughs> Would you pay me more if I, I said something do I get against all the way, what I believe? Do I get in the pudding? What do I do? And uh, <laughs> Give me a dollar amount yeah. for my integrity. Let's yeah. just at least talk about it. But it is interesting, and there are there is a limit. Like, like I had they an idea. a lemon, too? There's a limit and oh, a lemon. But I had an idea or two, and I'd be like, yeah, but if I give them this idea, they're going to want me to get in the costume or whatever this idea is. Right. So I didn't even pitch it. So there's stuff like that where you go, that's a bridge too far for me. Yeah. But then I think about all the stuff we did for those church videos, like we talked about yeah. last episode. But that was for church. I just feel like, 
a few hundred people were going to see that maybe. Yeah. And I just didn't have that profile of like, this could ruin my, I just thought this would be a funny idea. Let's put on a dino costume. Yeah. Which reminds me, by the way, Jeffrey, after last week's uh, episode, he found uh, a montage video. Oh, right. Almost every one of those that we referenced, they had a montage. We need to release it to the, at least to the Patreon. So uh, we do have some patrons now. So to all of our patrons out there, any of you who want to become a patron, you go to our Patreon account, just go to Patreon and look up, talk about that. And we can drag and drop that stuff there where they can access it, John? Well, we can, we can send them privately. Oh, that's we have so, all emails. Yeah, we'll release that in the next few weeks. In fact, I may have him make like a little channel where the full versions are available for oh, cool. to watch for hours. So hours uh, and hours. We'd love for you to come on and be uh, one of our, our patrons so that we can release more content to you. But uh, that's just a sidebar, Johnny. Just a sidebar. <laughs> totally not. Planned. We're our own sponsor now. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have sponsors. We are it's, asking uh, for you to sponsor us. Yeah. Well, no, it's cool, man. But uh, yeah, so that's that's a thing. Like, I so do. You, what do you believe? You've been on. You've had some press for your books. None of it's been negative, though. But if you had negative, somebody said this clown wants to talk about blah blah blah. Would you be like, well, look, more people are going to go check no, it out? No, I think it's horrible. There's two. There's two expressions in particular that I think are completely and totally bogus. One of them is if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Oh, right. You know, yeah. I can think of a thousand things that haven't. Yeah, killed me. a sweater doesn't kill me. It doesn't it make, me, make stronger. me stronger. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I had I had uh, athlete's foot as a kid. Didn't yeah. kill me. Didn't make me stronger. Like, no. you know, so I think that's dumb. Make the foot odor stronger, probably. Right, exactly. I do think that the second one would be this, that, that all press is good press. I just yeah. think, no, I mean, that's, you're living on another level of exposure if that's true for you. And like, like you have to have some sort of thing where you make money off of clicks. Yeah. You, or you make money off of Oh, thought, right. Like a know? YouTuber. Uh, like there's been some YouTubers that had some scandals right. recently. And it's like, it seems like their profile was raised. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really lose momentum, which is odd. Well, because America wants to culture. forgive. I guess, but I'm I, I'm wondering about that. Like, if that's still true, hmm. the whole idea of that. Like, does America still like love an underdog? I think it, we're so ex- overexposed now that we like taking people down, so we feel a little bit better. I think America wants to forgive if you're handing them something they like. Yeah, because they're dependent upon you. They like seeing you humbled. Yeah, they like feeling like you're real. But, but again, that could be more about their profile of like, I'm above this person now. Look how low they've sunk. Yeah. But if you're a musical artist who puts out a great record yeah. after that, then they'll forgive you because they feel tied to your music. Yeah. But they want well, to Well, talent you. always trumps everything. Yeah, we know w- that. I'm talking about like, if you, let's say you're Lance Armstrong. Yeah. You're not even contributing anymore to being an athlete you're not in the profile of that anymore people were still on his side because he was raising money and and he was raising the profile of of cancer research when he was exposed he was almost immediately like shunned but there's not been that comeback because he's not really humbleness he's kind of stayed an arrogant person maybe that's you know so i don't know tiger woods has been forgiven it would appear oh yeah people i mean i I couldn't have rooted harder for him when he when he won the masters but i mean Again, something about marital infidelity, it seems like, I think it's so commonplace possibly right. in American culture. You know that, that was pretty outrageous, though. That was like 11 women. Yeah. Not, even if you've had an infidelity in your life, you, it's hard to relate to that. And I'm happy forgiving him for that. It's fine. But people have to understand. He'll be so happy to hear that, People John. are not forgiving him, though, <laughs> because they want to forgive. They're forgiving him because they like him as a golfer. Well, like like, well, then he had like six years where he fell off the map. Yeah. And couldn't even swing a, a golf club anymore. He was so injured. And I think and it's amazing. Yeah, that, that makes the story amazing. Yeah, and he's, I hope now he's coming back as an old guy. Yeah, and I so don't it's need... like old people are like, he's in his forties. I'm in my forties. Yeah, yeah. There's like this basic sense of decency that with people that we look up to. I think about this a lot. So when we get to political things, and I want to, I want to be careful here. But you know, we get to political things. I agree that I'm whether it's senators, congressmen, president, whomever. I'm not electing a pastor. Yeah. Like I am electing – and I don't expect the government of the United States to replace what only the kingdom of God can do or be for me. Yeah. And he's not going to fulfill me. It's not going to take all my problems away. It's not going to solve all the social ills. It has responsibility uh, to affect the dialogue and all those things. If things change, I believe it's the kingdom of God among us that, that changes it. Um, for the good. And I believe so. So, but that being said, I do expect a basic level of decency. Yeah. I even struggle with that 
with athletes that I follow, teams that you know are really important to me. Like you know, it's it's a it's not a judgment of I need you to be. I mean, here's the, I don't feel like I have a I don't feel like I have a righteousness. You know, that's all that. So, so no, I'm but not, you want to like you want to believe uh, Shaquille O'Neal's a good guy. Yeah. If you're a Lakers fan, you're like it's mainly yeah, out of stewardship. It's like I want to believe because you have platform and because you have exposure. What's that thing? He, Sports brings out that kid in you, yeah. and you almost like Mean Joe Green throwing the jersey at the kid. Yep. And it brings the kids out. Yeah. The kids are all watching. Yeah, that's true. Above all else, I think it's that. It's like, hey, you. So you are, want them to be a role model? You're influencing generations. But that being said, I think it's it's a little unrealistic. For us to be like, well, look, you can't ever make a mistake, or you know, I'm, I'm. The thing, the glitch is hypocrisy, though, right? It's not that they can't make mistakes; it's that if you set yourself up to be a moral authority or go. the chosen one, like some politicians do, yeah, and then you're no better than whatever, or you're doing dirty deeds on the side. It's like, well, hold on, yeah, and then then this is when people turn a blind eye and they only see. I hate that's what I hate on Facebook the most is when people only post a thing that supports their side of an argument mm-hmm. or it just becomes like well what about this well, what about that you know their side's way worse it's like all right and that's kind of what social media has become but yeah i think it's the hypocrisy it's the glitch with most people it's like if you set yourself up to be like look i'm a broken person and i'm just a guy like you and it's almost like like i think tom brady's a guy who's come around now i root for him because he's old <laughs> you know and he's had like they take they've taken away all of his weapons yeah. and he keeps being he keeps great and he's 42. Yeah. So now I'm like, I'm back around on him, whereas I used to be this punk. Yeah. And now I'm like, go Tom, because it makes you go, I'm 45, John. This guy's winning Super Bowls. Yeah, he suddenly has something about him that makes him an underdog that you can relate to. Yeah, it's like he there's 20-year-olds like, trying to kill him on every play, and he's outsmarting them. Yeah. He's the favorite to win every time, and it's he shouldn't be. Yeah. Right. Oh, of course, there is all of the... Theories and conspiracies about oh about the Deflate Gate and all that and, you know, and the Spygate they're, and they're all. always listening to everybody else's plays. They're probably listening to this right now. I Tom's hope so. like Tom's like we got one more. <laughs> <laughs> Belichick smiles an evil smile, pulls his hood over his head. <laughs> <laughs> it has come together exactly as I have foreseen. <laughs> Sorry, it was dead on. Like Belichick was right here. Yeah, I know. It's uh, a little more personality, maybe, but. Um, it's funny. I said that, that thing about the kingdom, it reminded me of something. Um, I'm actually Sunday's message. This is from last week's message, which I'm sure you went back to the podcast and listened to because yeah. it was so important to you. Mm-hmm. And even when you're not here, you I went back and listened to the podcast to my, Oh, after we talked message about at it. the Grove podcast yes. where I preached last week. Did not, but will. Johnny, you won't. I will. I got and a road I think trip you coming know up. why I've called you here. Oh, it's time for us to talk about this. Let's talk I'm, about. You know, I'm going to be at church Sunday. This. I'm going to be at church Sunday. Well, there you go. You won't have to listen to that podcast. You actually came to the run through a little bit, John. Right before this, this is something I don't know. Where did you get this idea from? Do other churches do this? The run through? Yeah, uh, I think it's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. We talked about it for so years. So John yes. runs through, and I guess Pastor Andrew does too. You run through your sermon, yeah, with people, with other people in the room, just a few people, the staff people, all right. We invite others. I invited some others today from outside who okay. weren't on staff, but they could. That's cool. Well, anyway, it just kind of gives you that dry run, and then they make notes and give you notes, right? Yeah. Or it just gives you a chance to say it out loud, and then you can sometimes you can tweak in your own head. You're like, well, that was wordy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a lot of tweaking today, but it is it isn't intended for someone to say, hey, I didn't get this part. Hey, mm-hmm. you're not considering this people group. Hey, you know, you may not know that this could be offensive this way. Hey, yeah. that was too long here. You know, I get that one You're a lot. offending whole people groups. People groups. Yeah. So, I, you know. Man. But one of the things uh, I'm from Dallas Willard, which is, again, just a classic thing. I think I'll just keep The Divine Conspiracy, just one of those books you're always reading through mm-hmm. for the rest of your life kind of thing. It's just amazing. Um, and he talks about that term, the kingdom. And and I realized also like our father is it, it goes with with the heavens the kingdom of the heavens yeah. it is one of the one of the ways scripture says it and i said this last week like the translation from the lord's prayer of our father who art in heaven is so like to the modern mind immediately especially if you're a child you when you pray our father who art in heaven you're literally praying our father who is in an, an invisible place somewhere far away that I've never seen, can't understand, and really don't want to go to that bad. Because apparently in heaven, what we teach our kids 
is that we're going to worship for a million years or whatever. And I told the people, it's like, y'all barely made it through 20 minutes of worship. This right, morning, you know what right. I'm saying? Like, let's be honest. I love it. I don't want to do it for a million years because that's how we're defining it. It's like a church service, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's a place where we only define it by golden streets and pearly gates and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. And where we sit around in clouds, yeah. right. That we all want gold and everything, but if you never die and there's no currency or worries, like, does it really matter? Well, I matter? think the point of the streets being made of gold is we don't need gold anymore. <laughs> right. Like, what are you going to do with the gold? It's pavement. Yeah. Right. It's pavement up there because what do we need for it? Like, I mean, I do think that there, and I used to think that too. And then I thought, you know, I do think that there's a reason. I think that it's going to, I think we'll still have awe and wonder of those things. It's not like, well, no, 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 no. I, just, I don't mean that. Now. I just mean like there won't be, that's what they'll do with it because what's the point of piling it up in bank accounts? Right. We'll have everything we need. We'll enjoy it as we walk. So on it'll it. be used. It'll be a, it's re, like, that's a kind of interesting concept. Like, because we always talk about money as a tool. It literally is a tool in heaven. It's just used for something. Yeah. It's a, that's it's good. a, it's a building block. I wonder if there'll be cars in heaven because isn't that a soft metal? Yeah. So what if I want to go to the store? What if it creates like tracks in the gold, mm. gold tracks, if oh. you will. Anyway, I think you will. Um, but really what. Heavenlies, and I taught on this, heavenlies means spiritual place. Yeah. And to the ancients, they understood that heavens wasn't just this distance. There were, there were three of them. One, what we're thinking of as heaven, which I think we have a total. You need to go read uh, Heaven. <laughs> His name of the book by Randy Alcorn. Such a great, just it's big. Oh, I follow him on Twitter. Yeah. Great, great, like, research-based, mm-hmm. you know, scriptural-based thought of everything about heaven that we miss. That And it totally changes your mindset. Like but, the third, the three heavens, right? Yeah, the three There's heavens. where the birds fly and planes fly, then it's outer space. Right. And then the third heaven. Exactly. Like Which another dimension. Like this essence. dimension. It's not like just you travel in a spaceship and never reach it. Like, yeah. And, and that to them, literally one translation of heavens was the space around my head. Okay. So like what you're that's really... A, that's a big head. <laughs> the gravitational pull of my cranium. The moons that flow around <laughs> of the orbit of my head. But the point was is that what you're really praying is is the God who is all around me and fills all places I can and cannot see. Like yeah. we we literally have translated that to the opposite for the English language. Right. Like it's we made distant, him far away when he's close. Far away. Yeah. And what it really meant to be is the God who fills all things. And so when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven, this is a, the main point in, in Willard's book. When Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, we translate that as – the kingdom of heaven's about to come, mm-hmm. right? It's almost here. It's almost here. And we still live like that. But that's not what that meant either. It meant the kingdom of heaven among you. Like, I'm here. Yeah. It's here. It's not coming. Yeah, at hand means here. Right. right? I, I'm coming right now. Every time you encounter me, then we're together. Yeah. And so the kingdom of – so it's, it's amazing when you start understanding what it really is supposed to mean and how those subtle little differences mm-hmm. are key to our understanding of how we look at God, that – that heavenly, that's why if it says I'm already seated in heavenly places, yeah. it's not talking about, I'm not physically in heaven, but the God that fills the universe around me that I'm hidden in Christ, like I have a place. Yeah. There is a physical place that I have a place for. I think that there's a door in heaven with my name on it or a house or something. He has a place for me physically. My physical body will be in heaven. And there is a physical guy in heaven today. There is a human body in heaven. It's Jesus whose body has been glorified. It's amazing to think of that. Like Mm -hmm. there's a human there standing at the right hand of the father. Yeah. And so, but like, I think beyond that, uh, my father who art in heaven, I'm seated in these heavenly places. The kingdom of God is among me. Like it's, it's around me because Jesus has come and he's removed the separation between. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. The two things. Well, I think kingdom. that's comforting and a little bit alarming sometimes. Cause sometimes I think we want to, we project it as far, we project God as this far away thing on purpose because we don't want him to see what we're up to sometimes. Right. So this idea that he's like right over your shoulder is like, Oh boy. So that's one of the reasons I think sometimes our theology tends to push. Well, he's in the grave by and by. One day we'll stand before God. Like, what if you thought God was standing here now? Right. That's that would make you probably, you know, respond differently. Well, I think you don't know that. If, but the, again, it still plays into like the fear of God that we have that God only stands over us out of disappointment. Yeah. You know, he's always wondering and what, just, oh, are you going to get it right this time? I can just speak for myself. God's disappointed in me. I don't know how he feels about you, John. <laughs> I mean, I think, again, in Christ, God's not disappointed in us. That's a hard, believe it or not, I believe that is the basic premise of the gospel. Yeah. 
Incre- Do you think it's easier for you to get to that point because you had a father who was really doting on you? Because I, mean, uh, I know you've had conversations. You've had counseling sessions with a lot of guys who yeah. had dads like my dad mm. who were absentee and borderline abusive. Uh, and like what they went through to get to the place where they could see their heavenly father in a different light. That's a great question. I actually think that my dad, I knew he was around and I wanted to please him. It wasn't my – I know we always say this and I believe it. Your relationship with your father dictates a lot of things about the way yeah, you see God. The father and, wound and yeah. all that whole thing. And I believe that completely. My heavenly father wound comes more from church yeah. than it does from my earthly father. The, the reason this was so difficult for me to grasp was not because my dad. In fact, my dad honestly would make me uncomfortable when he talked about God because he kind of grasped some of this. Mm-hmm. He just didn't have the language or the community. Right. To live it out. He's he, caught up in kind of denominational lingo yeah. still and by as the he end, tried to express it. By the end of his life, he did. He was able – Yeah. about two years of really talking about a grace-based uh-huh. God. It really transformed his life. I remember you talking to me about it too. Oh, he's one of the reasons our church changed. He started talking to me and Andrew and we kind of dismissed him. You know, And he finally one day says to me – because all he has three kids. He goes, I feel like I've discovered the most important thing in the whole universe – and I can't get any of one of my children to listen to me about it because I spent so long in religion and these other things. Yeah. And it broke me because mm-hmm. I kind of just, you know, brushed him off. And I began listening to some of the things and reading some of the things he was doing, and it transformed my life. Yeah. And we spent two years before he passed um, really experiencing that together and exploring what it meant and all those things, not casting off everything we ever knew, but seeing it through the, this lens, you know. Yeah. And so, but I think the hard thing for me, because dad, even when I was young, he would talk about the way God sees me and all those things. And and it was me. I don't know. I don't know, dad. You know, like I just, I had this sense of, no, no, no. God expects me to perform. God expects me. And because I had confidence in those things. Yeah. I'm better. You're a good performer. Yeah. I'm better. Yeah. That's the thing. When you're a good performer, you're like, well, no, I want it. It's almost like you take comfort in the idea that you can be the best Christian. Exactly. I knew more. I than could the, medal. I'm on the medal stand. Oh man. And the, and the other Christians, my age around me were tanking compared yeah, to me. Right. And that's how I saw it. Like that's so, how you get the best draft pick. <laughs> exactly. As a Christian. <laughs> so there was that sense of not understanding that. That's why yeah. I say I'm a recovering Pharisee, which offends a lot of my friends, especially my kids who are in youth ministry. Oh, right. Cause they're, they're like, like oh, we love, no, we looked doing, up to you and yeah, yeah, you taught us about Jesus and you yeah, loved us well. It's like you're well. trying to undo and have them unlearn some of the things you taught them, which is tough for them. Right. But it's like when it, you're a kid, it's like, everything's kind of, it's almost like brain mapping. It just like locks in a template yeah. of everything that you love. Think about how fanatical someone is about star Wars. Yeah. People, people act like George Lucas has ruined their childhood when the prequels came out. Exactly. And it's because they saw star Wars when they were in eighth grade. Yep. And that is when you just love everything you love with everything you have. And so, yeah, you're talking to eighth graders who loved pastor John. They thought you were God on earth. And so now you're saying I was wrong about this, this one thing, at least here's the one thing I did wrong. They're like, no, no, don't you say that. Yeah. They don't want to hear Well, again. <laughs> and, and I think that, that they think I'm questioning my intentions. My yeah. intentions were always right. Right. Um, it's a, it's a like, look, it's cool. I'm okay with this. Grace covers this. Like, it doesn't mean that what we did wasn't real. It doesn't mean it wasn't right. It didn't plant good seeds, didn't last, that God wasn't present, that he wasn't working. It doesn't mean any of that. Yeah. It does mean that I don't think we were aligned best with an understanding of the gospel that actually transforms our life outside of performance or that we understand if we're working hard towards the Christian life, why? In, in in what vein mm-hmm. that that that's it I'm doing a lot of the same work it's just that it works now like it works differently when when I'm aligned correctly yeah um and and that's what's hard so when I say no and I don't think anybody who's a Pharisee in the way we use the term in the modern age intends uh-huh. to be yeah I think I was thinking about that today because I just hired a social media manager to help me grow my uh, channels and and I travel some with like Tim Hawkins and Michael Jr. is big on this concept too. And it's kind of helped change my thinking. Even John Acuff reading some of his stuff and some of the things he writes about and how he built his, his, what you would call a brand, but just became uh, a bigger and more well-known 
entity. And he said, you know, like, instead of asking, how can I get more followers, start asking, how can I add value to people's lives? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I was out with Tim Hawkins, he would say, and with Michael Jr., they would say, don't think about going out and getting laughs. Think about you're giving laughter. You're giving people an opportunity to laugh and forget about their cares. So you're providing a service. So when you think of it, that service mindset, now I want to create content and I want to be uh, visible to more people, but as a service, not as like, man, if I can just get famous enough, I can retire. Or if I can just get big enough, I won't have to do anything else. I can just have one big video that goes big, then I can relax. Instead, you look at it like, I want to provide a service, and then that's the kind of thing that people are drawn to. So it's not like this back door of like, if I'll do this, then I can trick people into following me. But it's like, no, change your entire mindset. Yeah. And so I think it's the same thing. Like, you might be doing the same things. I'm still going to go write jokes and make content. But it's like, I think my mindset is shifting towards like, how can I, what can I do that's valuable? Well, and here's the deal. You will never, I think, true. that has to be like a real belief change. Mm-hmm. And belief changes take, intentionality there has to be like aha and there has to be also discipline yeah and i think that that's the series we're in now is called remind and talking about the reminders that it's really really clear throughout scripture set your mind on things above set your mind like it's all in present tense and it's all like hey since you have been raised with christ put off the old self put on the new like it was they're not it's not poetry like he's literally expecting those who are going to consider themselves to be disciples to actually set their minds in a different way because your heart is here, but your soul and mind are here. And this is going to require this outward man's perishing, but this inner man has to be renewed day by day. So every day you should expect this. This is a part, in fact, this is really the essence of discipline. Yeah. Is setting your mind on the thing that you are believing and continuing to believe and grow in your belief for. Now align your life with it, which means you have to come back and remind yourself of what you believe, mm-hmm. and and that's you know part of the the deal, the repetition, the rephrasing of that, becoming a joyful experience in your life, much as if you're right. renewing your vows with your wife or whatever. Right. That's why we say I love you a million times a day in my house. It's not just like it's there's a repeti- there's a ritual to it, and there's a, a reminding to it. Yeah. There's you know because some people get into this thing of like like look I said I I said I love you on the wedding day, and if anything changes, I'll let you know. Yeah. Like, they're those kind of people. Like, I'm just not really in touch with my emotions. But it's like, yeah, that's not acceptable. No. We we got to remind each other, like, I'm here. I'm here for you. We're together. I love you. Yeah. It's supposed to be, there's there's beauty and there's um, strength. Mm-hmm. And there's, I, I, I think that the, the, I think this is where we're getting hung up. Like, hey, if you don't one day, it doesn't mean it goes away. Mm-hmm. It's not now I'm making this happen. I'm I'm not. I'm not making the thing happen by this discipline. Yeah. I am making discipline happen because of, of this thing. I'm now aligning with the discipline uh, of that. I spent all day yesterday with a um, – I probably can't talk about it yet, um, but I'm writing a book for a former professional baseball player. And, man, an amazing story. Um, one of the most disciplined guys, when you learn his story, you find out – and he won a World Series, the whole deal, played 11 years – And you learn that no one knew. In fact, there was a lot of speculation when he got to big games, he'd suddenly go on the injured list and he got a lot of bad press for it. Mm -hmm. And they didn't realize he played through unbelievable injuries the entire career. He eventually had some surgeries. He played with pain that other people didn't like this. It's documented. Yeah. And by the time he would get to the championship game, he literally played through it all season. And it's like his arm, he was a pitcher, his arm wouldn't raise. Like, he wasn't wimping out. He had pushed it so far and had kept it secret because he lived in shame and fear. Well, you're afraid somebody's going to take your job constantly, too. Your your contract, your all these things. And so he lived like that for so long that he just literally couldn't go on Mm. anymore. But he developed all this discipline. And when he came to Christ, like, it's this unbelievable joy of discipline for him. And we talked about a lot about, about, you know, I talked about discipline at some point in my life becoming a, almost like a God to me more than a goal. Like f- not feeling okay with God if I didn't have this exact hour or this exact whatever because I, I take comfort in systems. And having to find the balance of that to go, actually now I take comfort in the gospel. And then the systems now are the ways that I come back to that place. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't – it's not just a feeling. 
I think our Pentecostal backgrounds are very uh, – my I'm okay with God when I feel a certain way. Yeah. That's really what – there's there's an unspoken thing. If you ask anybody, and there's a lot of great thinkers in those movements. I'm not, I'm not trying to just poo-poo it all. But there's a, also an emotional takeaway that, hey, you know you're okay with God when this happens and it feels like this and you uh-huh. have this evidence and this. And evidence-based – Things that are physical and emotional teach you something. Then I think that's the other lesson that I'm trying to undo with people that were raised in our ministry is to say, I'm not calling those things real, unreal. I'm not. That's not really the idea. But faith is not physical and emotionally based. Like by definition, you should be able to have a security in the message of Jesus, a.k.a. the gospel, that whether I feel it or don't feel it today, that I can return to it and that confidence rises in me because I, I, I'm i back in this place of going, hey, I understand. In fact, I have these in the next two weeks in this series, I'm going to be revealing more of these, but I have daily declarations, I call them. I haven't read them yet today. I had an early call, an early interview and different stuff. But almost every day I'll return and the first one is, is, hey, I'm just not made to sustain this day. I'm not created to sustain this day without abiding in Christ. So I have to pause my day. I have to stop striving, stop working, stop feeling like it's all up to me because I will default to it every morning. And I have to rest first in the grace of Jesus, reminding myself of his great love for me and his great intention towards me and the great power he has towards me. And then I read a bunch of scriptures that are listed there. And I just rephrased it, by the way, because I think repetition and rephrasing go together. It's not always exactly that. In fact, I edit it a little bit every day. Like some other word will come in, these long lists of things that at some point in time I want to remind myself of. But that day it was about opportunity or that day it was about security or that day it was about insecurity. So there's this returning to it that it doesn't – it's not like, oh, this right here makes me a Christian and just convinces my mind again and brainwashes me. No, there literally is – and that's what this guy said yesterday. He goes, there literally is something that's transformed about me in a way I can't explain. It's not just discipline. The discipline is like this joyful returning to something higher than that, you know, that kingdom among us, you know, this place of there is another, there's another access point here beyond just my mind, but my mind being engaged in it is this beautiful part of every day. So anyway, intentional, I know that's a big word. And I did the, I just did a pastor's conference in Orlando called D six and it was about 1200 pastors and family ministries coordinators and those kind of things. And so I talked about that. I said, you know, and I did, this is like my third set that I had done over the two days. And so I said, you know, my pastor talks about intentionality a lot. Like we need to be intentional with every event. Like, is this, does this fit us? Intentional with our words, intentional with our messages. And I want you to know I'm intentional with my comedy, the bits I pick out for you. And if anybody's been offended by anything I've said here this weekend, just know that it was intentional. <laughs> and uh, so. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, you do. It, it, you do know when you go in. Oh yeah, I'm going to pick this scab, this religious sometimes, scab. Sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, it's sometimes good. it's good. Yeah. yeah, sometimes it, like if people ask if I do churchy comedy, the bits that I have about the church are usually pretty pointed. Yeah, or they have a um, not to the point of like I, we should you know throw out the baby with the bathwater, but it's kind of like hey, this is a goofy thing we do, mm-hmm. and we can laugh at it, but not necessarily like let's stop doing it. Like I joke about trunk or treat. You know, but I don't think that it's wrong to do trunk or treat. It's just right. a funny it's aside. Just, it's got a lot of funny things to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I say that it teaches uh, children that car trunks may be full of delicious candy. <laughs> and that's the big whatever. <laughs> but it's, I, do I think we should stop doing it? No, I think it's cool that churches do that and reach their community and whatever. And, that, that right. and we do it here. And I think it's great. Yeah. But it's just so, but the early bits that I would do about church were very pointed because they were about things like separatism. Yeah. That I was seeing, like we had our own candy testaments and I would say like, what is something wrong with Tic Tacs? Like, are those of the devil now we have to have our own separate? Then I do the whole testimony about how when I first got saved, I had been using regular breath fresheners for a long time and you know, whatever. Somebody came up to me and said, Hey pagan, your breath is quite ripe. They offered me a testament. And I'd never, whatever, I can't remember. It was a whole bit. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, but it was an old bit about like, and it kind of like paints that picture of like, why do we have, and my hope was not just that people would laugh, that my hope was that people would leave and go, that is dumb. Yeah. We don't need our own chewing gum. Oh, I think that was the end of the bit. I said, 
I've got my own product in the back, and it was Thy Kingdom gum. Yeah, we had the image on the. And screen. then I would say, yeah. "What would Jesus chew?" <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. <clears throat> That's great. I got to bring that back. <clears throat> By the way, I'm writing a, uh, I'm I'm writing a little spoof song in my head. All right, I'm going to tell you about it at lunch when we get done with this. Oh, John. Yeah. A uh, parody, John. I'm writing a parody. Oh, yes, God. I can't help it, and it's it's to a Carrie Underwood song because my daughter went to Carrie Underwood. Oh, how'd that go? Oh, they loved it. Yeah, they, they, it was like um, um, box seats for Laura's oh, company. Well, hey, so Laura's company has a box there, and everybody in the, everybody in all the cities or wherever where they have boxes and things at different places, you get to put in. Yeah, for a drawing, and it's just constant, like, like a lottery. Yeah, and then, so all these events we don't we up. don't support that here as Christians. Right. We do if you win lotteries or so. <laughs> but it, and so she put in, and we won before, uh, and went out to. Uh, it was Idina Menzel and oh, Josh okay. Groban. Yeah. You know, and we went, we went down and had a great dinner and a great date and sat in the box. It was awesome, you know. So when she won Carrie Underwood, which is a pretty big deal, I think it was one of the most, like, you don't have to put in. So that's part of the reason you have a better chance of winning for something that people aren't that interested in, you know. But yeah. everybody wanted Carrie Underwood in Nashville, obviously. Mm-hmm. So when she won, it's a pretty big deal. So she took Sadie. And Sadie didn't really listen a lot to Carrie Underwood. But for the two weeks leading up to, she, all I did was hear on speakerphone. Yeah. In the car on the way to school. This morning, I think she was still listening, you know. And so she sings, you know, a lot. Sadie has an amazing voice. And so she's singing all the songs. Exact, I mean, she can hit all the notes and stuff. Like she she just – she imitates. It's the best way to learn how to sing is imitate a singer. You yeah, know? of course. And so anyway, one of the songs, it just finally started – I had this idea, you know, like – I'll tell you about it. Like no, this. don't tell me. I don't want to hear this. John. No, I'm going to need your help. No parodies. I'm going to need your help. No, no more parodies. I'll do it though, because oh, okay. I have a few things coming up that All I right. need to do. So I can do a parody because I'm not a comedian. And, but you're right I, about the impression thing, because when I started singing, I think I was doing an impression of a good singer. That's what I was yeah. doing when I started doing comedy. Because Dana Carvey used to say this. I think it was Dana Carvey. He would say, "When I feel myself getting nervous on stage, when I was starting out, I would just decide to do an impression of a comedian that wasn't nervous." <laughs> <laughs> and I think I did that for a long time. I would, it's almost like I would wear, cause you have to have confidence. Co- comedy's confidence. Yeah. So you have to kind of, but I would like put it on like a coat. Yeah. Like this is my confidence, for yeah. the, but it's, t- but when the show was over, I'm like back to my, you know, doubting self. And now I do feel confident because I've done it enough to wear like, yeah. I know this works and, and it's not going to destroy me if it doesn't work. Yeah. That's the other confidence that you can have as a performer. Like, this is the end of the world if it goes bad. And when you can really feel that, that's mm-hmm. when you can do your best. Was it – it's funny. So this week, was so many things before we went on the air. We said, like, oh, I can't talk about that. I can't talk about that right now. Yeah. Like, there's some exciting things happening in both of our lives that we can't really tell all but about. We're, but th- 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 stay tuned. Yeah, eventually. And we're not trying to – we just can't because of contracts or because of yeah. wisdom. You know, you just, we're in the middle of things. But I had – Two very high-profile interviews mm-hmm. for a book process oh, yeah. this week. John. And like, was it you that asked me? I'm throw out some names and you say yes or no. <laughs> no, please don't. And so <laughs> um, <laughs> I found myself sitting in some really, like, specifically. Your gift, your gift will bring you before kings, will John. It, not, though? it will open doors and bring you in front of people. It was. I was in some really exciting places even for me, like personally exciting places, not just exciting for everybody, but it was, you know, and – Somebody asked me, are you not, like, nervous? Because it was a, okay, you're going into a pretty big yeah. couple meetings in some pretty exciting places. You, you know? had to be nervous, though. And I was like, you know what? I would be nervous if I didn't have a job to do. Yeah, that's But true. I was there for another project. Yeah. Like, I'm not just there hanging out. Right. And so to your point, like, I put on the writer. Yeah, you're not, you're, not, like, you're not fanboy. Right. You're just like, hey. Hey, I got, I got to do this. And, and, and I got to say, hey, you I mean, I'm, I am a... I am a fan of what you do. I'm a yeah. fan of what this is about. And and I got to have those interactions, you know, uh, but I got to do them. So I think you're right. When you put on that, look, I'm here to do it. In fact, not only am I here to do a job, I need to steward this job well. Mm-hmm. Like the, the project I'm doing, this is important and I want to honor it. And I'm really, really excited about it. And I want to honor the person I'm so writing So you have to for. kind of push down the nerves. Yeah. And you it, have a reason to do it. It makes it easier. So yeah. much easier. Like, you know, hey, I'm here to do this. And um, so, you know, it's great. And Johnny, that's what we're doing on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We just pretend that we know how to do podcasts. <laughs> yeah. We really just push record we're one We're doing day. an impression of someone doing a good podcast. That's hope. right. How many episodes? Uh, 73. No, I do believe that today, I'm going to go check right now. Today is episode 80. Man. We just crossed into another decade. 20 more till we hit the big 100. 
beautiful. You oh. know what that means? Syndication. No, yeah. that's television. Yeah. A hundred yeah. podcasts doesn't mean anything. We do. I do like it. We see spikes and downloads and I hear this from, I read this on some of people's uh, comments and that is that they go and they enjoy an episode so much. They binge the whole thing. They watch, they go back. Yeah. They don't watch, but they listen. We need they to start watch. doing video. We could do a video episode one time. Yeah, we could. Set up cameras in the yeah. You know, we're going to be doing, we're going to be in Wisconsin together. We, we're trying to debate whether or not we're going to record. It's going to be a, do a live one. It's going to be kind of a fast and furious and it'll be around our hundredth episode. It's in, it's in February. Um, okay. But we have to decide cause you're flying I'm out, out the next morning. The next day. You're going to be doing comedy that I think night. I'm driving maybe. I think we're going to try to do some comedy together maybe that night. Oh, by that I mean you're going to do comedy. Oh, right, because we're going to. I'm going to put you on keys, maybe. You're going to put me in some silly bits or whatever. We can I need the, you to wear the dino costume <laughs> <laughs> and hold this Uzi. Well, maybe I'll do my parody and you can help play behind me that night, John. That's not going to happen. So, because uh, I'll need. I'm kind of moving on. Yeah, yeah. No, it won't be your parody. No, it'll be mine. But I don't. I don't want to help put more parodies into the world. Uh, you you started off with parodies. I maybe know. I'm starting off that way. John, that's I'm, true. This you is need your to journey. watch your back. Uh, I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll help if it's funny. If it's a funny idea. Okay. You know, I had a parody that I wrote uh, that we didn't, we've not released because I just am conflicted about it. And it was uh, to the tune of the old 80s song, Sister Christian, Night Ranger, Sister yeah. Christian, Sister Christian. And it was for, is hipster Christian. And it's yeah. all about. Yeah. That's and, probably all uh, past now. Now it's all. I don't know, but it's, it had some funny lines in it. It had some lines that I didn't do that I wish I had done now that were edgier. Yeah. Because it's like uh, motoring, you know, and I had a whole, I had to figure out what rhymed with motoring. That was a hard part. Yeah. So I think I ended up using uh, uh, smoldering because uh, your jeans are way too tight. When you move from <laughs> left to right, they rub together and ignite. And then, uh, but there was a line in there where I said, I bet your life group's mostly white. And I really wish I'd kept it because <laughs> oh, no. now it's not going to come out, but it would have been a funny. Oh, man. You shop at Goodwill every night. It was, it was a whole thing. <laughs> I bet your beard is full of mites. It had some funny lines. <laughs> but I just am conflicted about parodies at this point. And we, we we recorded a track. Like they're like my buddy Aaron Willis recorded the track, laid down the guitars himself, did a crazy cool solo on it. But it would cost me like five grand to shoot a video for it. And that's really what you need is a video yeah. that goes with it. And I'm wearing the big big hairdo. And you also have wig. to pay you also have to pay royalties on pay royalties. You yeah. don't pay as you don't pay the same amount of royalties though if you have an original composition of their original composition. Right. You're not paying which for is the what track. We did. Yeah. Right. There's a different set. So they're there. a little bit different there. But you are but, still paying for the melody and all yeah. those things, yeah. So it's a little bit of a hassle and that's one of the reasons I was like, Yeah, I just need and I like But does your company take care of all the parody royalties for you now that are on old projects and stuff? Or did I just expose you to people who should come out? <laughs> expose me to lawsuits. Yeah, we paid for like a license okay. once upon a time that covers how many ever downloads. I don't know. Yeah, um, I was always told that parody law protects you anyway that you can't be sued. It's just a it's a it's a character thing. It's a it's a yeah. it's a whole thing of like. But in other words, if you do a parody of like I had a Kings of Leon parody, uh, and you know Kings of Leon could come after me, they would lose ten times out of ten. But it's just a matter of like. The right thing is to pay them the nine cents or whatever it is. Right. For well, I do believe sold. artists aren't getting nearly. I mean, in the old days, man, the yeah. guy could release a record, it'd sell a hundred thousand copies, and he'd make enough money to retire if he wanted. You know. Yeah. Because uh, he was making ten dollars. Right. You know, or somebody was. There was a million dollars. If you in can there. give me those kind of numbers, I'll help you with your parenting. You can't do that anymore. Now oh. it's like, oh, I got a million streams and made point zero one yeah. cent. There are people making money on streams, but I don't know how they're doing it. I think it's a... It's advertising, too, probably. It's a numbers game. Some, somebody's capitalizing on the clicks and the streams, and they're taking ads from the page that all the clicks... And it's, it's You have to, like... Yeah. yeah. The best way is to produce... It sounds up. like I know how to do it, but obviously I don't. Yeah, you if just, you've seen our podcast... Yeah, it's a thing they do where they hit some buttons and they make a lot of money. Anyway. <laughs> Somebody out there right now... You could pay me as a consultant. Listen, it will take Patreon money and pay one of you who know how to do that. Ooh, that'd be cool. If you want to come on board, but you're going to have to also be a patron so that there's uh, enough money to pay you. Um, that complicates it. Yeah, so... Hey, we are excited that you're listening. Uh, it means a lot to us. It really, really does. We enjoy doing it every week. We think... Uh, that anytime, I mean, it, it seems a little bit dumb to us that people would listen to us, and they do, and a lot of people do. And John, it's that, because we provide value. We're providing value. We really do want to provide value. In fact, we've never made money off of this, so it's always been to provide value. And uh, 
So, I mean, I think our hearts probably have some desperately wicked places where yeah. we want to grow our platform or whatever, too. But you know what? We choose every day to remind ourselves of the gospel and to get rid of those things, Johnny. Like when a church makes its stage larger, they should say that we really are growing our platform here at First Baptist. Because <laughs> I've gone to some churches where you go back the second year and the, the stage is suddenly so like bigger. you could run a quarter mile on it. Our platform enlarged. We enlarged our platform. Right. And it took out two rows of seats. So they're like, the building, the room's fuller, too. No. You, right. you, the stage got bigger. You, you can't fit as many people. You know what, people out there, when you try to increase your platform, you decrease your capacity. Oh Am I not right? That oh, will goodness. There will be a sermon series. I'm going to just take one little part and make a different week at each one <laughs> and just talk for an hour. It's going to be awesome. We just talked for almost an hour. Uh-huh. And uh, we enjoyed it. So make sure you go check out our Patreon page. Uh, you can also share, leave reviews. Uh, we've got some reviews that were not – they were positive, like five stars. We get a lot of that because we talk about the stars so much. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of like, hey, I'm leaving five stars, but oh, – And then wow. you tell us some things that you'd like and don't like. And I think oh, it's great. Man. We appreciate the honesty. One of them being that people thought we used the word literally too much. Oh, one of, some people said we said uh, bro. We said bro too much and said literally. I don't think I've said literally one time today, have I? I don't know. Just now. I wouldn't know. But you know what? You have a point. People do use the word literally out it of context. It made us more self-conscious, and and that's what you wanted. So mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> You've rattled us. It was. Um, and by the way, that's a thing people criticize a lot on online and stuff that people say literally too much, but I would agree if someone says it all the time that it's okay. I took what you said as admonishment and I'm trying to decrease. If I decrease it by 25%, you've made me 25% better as a speaker and I appreciate you, sir. Thank you. Oh, Uh, you could, you might say that it edified you. Yeah, it did. Uh, and then yes, I don't know about bro. Like I believe in bro because I really, sometimes I'll send bros and they really are my brother to me. Yeah. Like, I'm saying I, yeah. bro, like brother, I'm not saying bro, like dude, bro. Yeah. Like it's not a dude, bro, bro. Like Johnny, we really tell each other we love each other every day. Like that's just a thing. Like daddy, I love you, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that got some importance back to those rephrasing. So I'm not going to give on that one. Um, you We're didn't, not, you did not make me better with that one. So no, I'm just kidding. You can take my bro when you pry it from my cold, cold dead, dead, what have you. Whatever. Yeah, and again, and I don't know, perhaps I've said bro less. I don't know. Because maybe it was well, not getting, now. now. Maybe it's... it was getting dude bro. If we get dude bro, I'll accept it. Yeah. If I'm just dude bro, bro, dude bro, I'm literally crazy about this. I mean, like, yes, I get it. But I don't want to be that guy. I think we, I don't know. I think we're doing just fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so thank you for helping us be in our own heads. Uh, we we <laughs> hope that we thank you for letting us be in your heads for about an hour. And thank you for being your heads. If you don't know what a your head is, you need to go back listen to old episodes we do reference in your head sometimes and uh, that, that, that's one of the funniest things in this podcast it means a lot to us that you listen we'll be back next week here on Talk About That This this is my skyship dreamer my cargo is stories and our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.